He's got a beautiful back swing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. We are doing the show remotely today due to uh, some health issues on my end. Yes, it is exactly what you were thinking, but I am here today, and so is Taylor. And Taylor, we've got a lot to get to. We'll get to Kevin Na winning the Sony Open shortly, but I'm assuming you saw the news about Tiger Woods that broke just about five minutes before we sat down to record. Boy, yeah, no doubt. And I tell you what, as uh, you know, we talked about in our recap show uh, for 2020, how big of a story Tiger was, and how he didn't really come out and play like we wanted to as Tiger fans. And so to get, and we saw him struggle with injuries. Probably it, it seemed like almost at least once around. It seemed like every tournament he played last year, he had some sort of tweak or, or you know, had a hard time picking the ball up. Had, he could definitely tell he wasn't getting through the ball. And now to see that he had this prestige is going to miss essentially the whole West Coast swing tour where he plays really good at every year and Riviera a tournament that we talked about um I think it might have been on our last show where you know if he was going to get 83 it would be really cool for him to get it at Riviera of course that he's played how many ever hundreds of times probably you know not competitively but just overall and still hasn't been able to win there that would be really cool so yeah very disheartening news for all of the Tiger fans out there Colby I'd really not not the best way we want to start 2021 on the Tiger yeah, no doubt. It's one of those things. It is a minor surgery. I know people hear back surgery and with Tiger, especially that gets people panicked and I get it because he's had serious back surgeries in the past. This is not a serious back surgery. Here's the statement that he and his team released. They said Tiger has recently undergone a micro disectomy procedure to remove a pressurized disc fragment that was pinching his nerve after experiencing discomfort following the PNC championship. So that would have been the tournament that he and Charlie played together. His doctors and their team have determined it to be successful and expect him to make a a full recovery and tiger said i look forward to begin training and am focused on getting back out on tour while tiger will not be competing at tory or riviera he is still looking forward to serving as tournament host of the genesis invitational i did look up the surgery like i said uh it says here that driving and light activities can typically be resumed after two weeks uh and then kind of routine activities work school hobbies can be resumed within six weeks but it does say strenuous labor or contact sports may be recommended after 12 weeks or longer. Now, Tiger's going to have all the best physios. He's going to have all the best recovery. I would say that we'll probably be somewhere between six and eight weeks from him starting to get himself ready to compete. And that's from whenever this surgery took place, which could have been today, could have been yesterday, could have been two weeks ago. That's the thing, Taylor. I don't think we really know exactly when Tiger had this surgery. So I think trying to predict whenever he's kept, he would be coming back would just be a complete guess. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point there. I think we learned from the documentary in general that just because the timeline and when we get told things doesn't necessarily mean that's when they occur. So Tiger could have had the surgery the day after the father-son challenge for all we know. And uh, now he's recovering and good to go. Um I think I think for us Tiger fans, like I said, we we've gotten the we've gotten the West Coast out of the way. We know he's not going to play there, so we'll we'll look up. We'll, let me pull up the schedule here real quick because obviously we want him to get in a couple of tournaments before Augusta because if he doesn't, I highly doubt he has any chance. And, um, and the schedule's so loaded before Augusta. Here. Yes, it is. So he'll have a lot of opportunities. So I mean, after Riviera, we've got. The next one is uh, WGC, which was supposed to be down in Mexico, which looks uh, here at the concession, the concession club down in Florida. It's not too far away. might not be a bad place for him to come back. Um, Bay Hills the week after that also wouldn't be a bad place. Uh, Players' Championship week after that. Hall, the week after that where he's played. Um, the match play, I wouldn't expect that would be the first event he plays back just because if, if for any reason he did get hot, he wouldn't want to play his first term. It would be six rounds, however many um, rounds it ends up being. Uh, seven rounds, I believe. And then uh, won't play the Tech uh, Open week before. So, so yeah, definitely have some opportunity there in Florida, not too far away. I would expect him, depending on his health timeline, to come back at one of those four events, one of those four Florida events. It's just a matter of which one. If I had to put money on it, Colby, I'd probably say Bay Hill. What do you think? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, Tiger loves Bay Hill. We all know that. We saw some Bay Hill highlights in the part two of the documentary on uh, on Sunday night. And I, I just hope that he comes back fully, 100% healthy. And if he wants to even wait till the Florida swing, even if he's healthy before, and, and just kind of play some warm weather events, I have no problem with him kind of nitpicking his schedule to pick out the warm weather events with where he's at in his life and in his career with the injuries and everything that he's dealt with. Uh, Taylor, speaking of his life, I think this is probably a good time to go ahead and segue into part two of the Tiger Doc, which aired Sunday night on HBO. Uh, I know you watched it. I watched it yesterday. It was it, it was fascinating. Uh, give me just kind of your broad overview on what we saw in part two. Yeah, it was it was kind of an extenuation of, of part one, really, just kind of you know, like I said, it, what what he did was isn't justifiable by any stretch of imagination, but you sort of can understand more in depth of kind of what happened and also what kind of how the process and timeline of it all, that's something that I think even as, as Tiger fans didn't really know, you know, when did it start? You know, was it at the start of 2009 or, you know, because he got caught at uh, Thanksgiving 2009. So we're like, okay, well, has it been a year? Did he do two years? Was it back all the way to 2000? You know, are we going back a decade? How long? And you realize that um, it all kind of started in Vegas and seemed like right around the early 2000s, mid 2000s. Then it, then it happens in New York and then it's down in Florida. Then he's fighting the, the girl down in Australia, and I'm like, good Lord, Tiger, come on, buddy. You know, we got to, you know, conceal this just a little bit, but it, it seemed like, honestly, that, you know, he maybe subconsciously knew that he was a ticking time bomb and was just, it was going to blow up eventually because he heard a lot of references through the show that, you know, he just wanted to be a normal person so much, and he never had that opportunity. And I don't know if subconsciously him getting, him getting caught with all the adultery would have, brought him back to reality but it's just he, he he started to get a lot a lot less I guess more loosey-goosey is the term the term to use with it and just had no regard for for his wife and kids which is the main thing I mean but you know there's a stigma in the NBA Colby of, of players you know they have a different girl in every city you know it's kind of a weird stereotype that's out there and so I mean if, if that's what you want to do so be it but don't make a loving commitment to a, a marital commitment and have children if that's what you want to do and so you know, and then even go off of that, Colby, um, the fact that he got more into exactly the type of steel training that he did, it definitely goes to show why he's having to have some of the procedures like, like we just saw him come out with 30 minutes ago saying that he had. I mean, it, he's 45 now to think that, you know, back in, so he would have been uh, probably 30 when he was doing all this stuff. I mean, the, they, you, you just see all those steels. I mean, they get on top of you and they tackle you and they put you in these horrible, strenuous situations. And, I don't see how you don't come out of that with some horrific injuries, and I think we see it with Tiger, especially now in his older age. Yeah, and they said in a lot of that SEAL training, his his left knee would get kicked a lot and would get just kind of the brute of the damage. It just seemed to, to break that way. And kind of what I took away from it is, you know, I think it's okay to feel bad for Tiger for everything he went through while also acknowledging that pretty much all of it was self-inflicted. The the stuff that he did in his marriage, that's all self-inflicted. A lot of the stuff that he did to his body. Now, some of the stuff, this stuff with his back, you know, time and time again and having it pop up, a lot of it now is not really his fault, but, but he did put himself in position with some of the stuff he was doing with the Navy SEALs, but that all goes back to me, to Earl, and the fact that I think whoever said on the dock said it best, Tiger had an Earl-sized hole to fill in his life. So what did he do? He went out and for two years, he lived like Earl. I mean, that's what he did for two years. He went out, he, he, he did all the Navy SEAL stuff. He basically, you know, um, got together with, with anything with two legs, um, you know, between Florida, New York, Australia, and Vegas. He, he was all over the map, and he was trying to fill that Earl-sized hole in his life. I, I had two big takeaways from it. Number one, Elon has got to be one of the strongest people on the entire planet. What she went through whenever all that went down and, and how publicly it went down, the paparazzi harassing her while she's with her children, the, the shot of her carrying Charlie uh, as she's walking up a sidewalk and there's just paparazzi swarming around her, yelling at her, screaming at her, uh, you know, the, the gold digger jokes that Bill Burr was making on the comedy special. That stuff was really uncomfortable and really tough to imagine. Uh, and I think kind of put in perspective what Elon went through and the number two for me Tyler I, I don't know if you felt the same way but Billy Payne shut the hell up and crawl back into whatever hole you came out of nobody needs to hear you open your mouth ever again Billy Payne I thought he came out of that documentary looking like one of the worst people in the entire show I I 
I was ready to walk up to my TV and punch him in the face on my TV. I, I, maybe that was just the, the reaction that was elicited from me. Um, but how, how'd you feel about that? Yeah, it, it's something that, you know, we go to where 10 years now removed from it, even a little bit longer. And you kind of forget about that. And it's something that I'd forgotten about as well. And, you know, it's, it doesn't really come out in the, in the moment as bad because everyone, he still got that figure on I mean, he hadn't hit a golf ball yet since the scandal. So it doesn't come out to be as impactful when you look at it 10 years later down the line. And, you know, I, I will, I will say this, you know, they, they made the, the reference. I, I completely agree with you, Colby. I think that he should, you're at Augusta to play golf. It doesn't matter what, what the hell you do anywhere else. And so you're there to play golf and that's what it should all be about. And it was absolutely horrible. Um, do they made the reference of do you think that if any other golfer would have done it that Billy Payne would have made that statement I think if you put anyone else in Tiger's shoes I think the only two golfers who would have ever had a chance for to be said about that were Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer had they been in the same situation just because they're such family men just because you know we forget about uh about that with Tiger Colby I mean he was literally the pinnacle I mean everyone thought he was the idol he never did anything wrong and that's kind of how we view jack and arnie and so and they had both won at the time those were only other two people to win four plus major championships so do i think that they would have done it if jack or arnie had done it maybe but at the same time keep like you said keep your damn mouth shut and and stay out of it let the guy play golf i mean if you i would think that if you're hosting the masters tournament you would want the least amount of distractions possible that are not golf related. And all you're doing is inviting those in by, with those comments. I mean, it's just absolutely putrid. And the longer that we go along with time further along, the worse and worse that it seems to be. And I'm really glad that he's not the chairman anymore. Yeah. I, I just think that Billy Payne, he, I mean, he was representing Augusta national whenever he met, went out and made those statements and who the hell does Augusta national think it is to be the morality police. I mean, Augusta national was way behind everybody on, you know, allowing African-Americans to show up to Augusta National, allowing women at Augusta National. Augusta National has been so far behind in a lot of things. And for him to come out and represent Augusta National as the morality police just really rubbed me the wrong way. Also, I just don't really like Billy Payne. uh, So the fact that I don't like him combined with with what he was doing just really rubbed me the wrong way. But um, I I thought that all in all, uh, be honest, Taylor, I think we could use a part three. I don't. I don't think that two parts was enough. I, I think that part one should have been what it was, setting up everything from Tiger's birth um, to to the day Earl died, and then you get everything through the scandal. But I think we need a part three to focus on what Tiger has turned into a little more, because I thought that was just about five minutes that was devoted to this place that Tiger's gotten to now. He's pulled himself up out of the deep end, and I, I just. I think that for the first time, really, that I can tell in Tiger's life, he's found real happiness over the last couple of years. Not not this fake happiness, not trying to chase 19, real happiness in his life over these past couple of years. And he's overcome a lot, again, most of it self-inflicted, to get there. And I don't feel like that was just, but hardly, just barely touched on right at the end. Yeah, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, like you said, it's, I felt like they would have dived a lot more into the 2019 Masters and maybe even more the 2018 season when he won the Tour Championship. And had the, they didn't even mention the second he had a PGA Championship in there. And so, I mean, there was a timeline for this recut or for this comeback that he had. And, you know, I, I think a part three will, will be something that, you know, if it was to come out, let's say tomorrow, it would be, it would be unfinished, if that makes sense, because his career is not over. And I think we need to see exactly where he gets to the finish line and that'll be able to kind of write. Because, I mean, you, you think about it, you got the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, everything's a trilogy. And so, you know, I think when Tiger's story ends is when we'll be able to get that part three. And, you know, I think the biggest takeaway, or one of the biggest takeaways, Colby, and I, I'm really, really glad that, you know, if I, I say really glad, you know, for everything that happened, because you mentioned how tough Elon was, I'm really glad that both of Tiger's kids were as young as they were when all this happened. Because had they been, let's say, as old as they are now, then they wouldn't, you know, it would be exactly, they'd be doing, dealing exactly what Elon did with scandal. And that can be even harder on the kids than it is for a wife. And so I'm, I'm glad that, you know, if Tiger was going to go through this and it did get caught, you know, at least Charlie was an infant and Sam was, what, three years old or something like that. So if we we're going to take any positives away from the family side of it, I guess that would be one of the only ones. And, 
you know, at least we know that they're doing well now because we saw Elon out watching uh, Charlie at the Father Son Challenge, which is really cool. And I think that sheds a little bit more light on exactly how far Tiger has been able to come back because he's been able to help, you know, keep the, you know, the family didn't completely fall apart because of his actions, which I think is, is a, um, is a really good thing because in a lot of situations it would have gone the opposite way for sure. Yeah, I think you're definitely right. Uh, that That's great that the kids were so young, and obviously they'll hear about it as they get older, but now they'll be able to sit down and have conversations with their parents and, and kind of be able to handle that situation the way they want to. So, uh, Taylor, that's probably enough on that. Why don't we transition and show some love to the winning machine that is Kevin Na. Taylor, he's now got five wins on the PGA Tour. Uh, same number as Ricky Fowler, by the way, for the Oklahoma State fans listening. Also, Kevin Na has won four times in his last 55 starts. He's basically averaging a win every 14 times that he tees it up, which for a guy that casual golf fans probably don't really know much or anything about is remarkable. The the level of golf he's played over the last three plus seasons. Well, yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, I'm looking at it right here. It looks, he only has two top tens in major championships. Uh, it looks like he's got a seventh in the 2016 U S open and a, a tied 10th at the 2011 PJ Championship. So, I mean, this is a guy who's he's been out on the turf for quite some time. Um, look right here, he's got a, a one and three playoff record, so he had some opportunities to get some wins and wasn't able to get it done. So he probably missed out on that. And luckily, as we see, he's been able to rebound. What did you say, Kobe? Four wins in how, what, what's the last 16 months? Four wins in his last 55 starts. It goes back to January of 2018, so a little longer than that, but still, four wins and 55 starts. That's just a little bit better than one out of every 14 times you tee it up on the tour. And, and like you said, it's just as many as, as Ricky Fowler. And I think if, if anyone was to put both of them side by side, you know, to say who is the better golfer, you know, just from people outside looking in, everyone would say, oh, well, Ricky's by far the better player. I mean, you, you watch Kevin play, and, and it looks like he, he – there was one shot on – I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. He looked like he shanked it on 17, the par three, and it rolled up to a foot from the hole. And – you know, he just does stuff like that. You know, he's known for walking it in uh, with when he played with Tiger, and obviously the the driving yips like he had back in in 2011, which I believe was might have been where he got his first win at, um, or where he got one of the. He did get his first win in 2011. So, yep, and then he didn't win again until 2018. I, and and look and look at where he's at now. And so it, it it really goes to show that that persistence can pay off, and and really good for. For, uh, for Kevin, you know, I'm going through his stats right here. You know, as last year he was fifth on the tour in strokes gained putting, 179th uh, strokes gained off the tee. So I think we know where his strong suit is going back to 2019, 159th off the tee, uh, going back even 2018, 170th. I'm not seeing a, a ranking off the tee better than 150th on the tour, Colby. So, I mean, for a guy who is that, really that inefficient off the tee box, to be able to go out and win four tournaments in essentially two years, I mean, or at three years, two and a half, but including the stretch of, of COVID. I mean, that's um, I mean, that's handsome. Yeah, it definitely is. And Kevin Na, I tell you what, he came in as the thirty eighth ranked player in the world last week. He's now the twenty third ranked player in the world. But have you ever seen the thirty eighth player in the world have as much swag as Kevin Na has? I mean, the dude's swag is just off the charts. Well, well, you talked about ha- you talked about with Tiger happiness, and and you watch. Kevin afterwards, he just has that smile. On his, I mean, almost everyone does after they win, but then he's got, got his little girl over there, uh, his daughter runs up to, and, um, and you know, that's just a beautiful sight to see and to see how, how happy he is with his family. And so, and, and I think that's what leads to good golf is that it, what, what you do off the course. And, and, you know, we look at some other things. I mean, you, you brought this to my attention, Colby. Chris Kirk made the top three or better to, um, to keep his uh, medical exemption status. And, was able to hit a really good shot in there on 18 to make a birdie, which was to end up finishing tied two, which had he not, he would have finished T3 anyway. But still, just to have the, the clutch gene, per se, to be able to hit that shot and to be able to know that your job is on the line. I mean, we got to give Chris Kurt some credit, Colby. I mean, that, I mean that, that was really impressive what he did. Yeah, and by the way, if he would not have gotten it up and down there, yes, he still would have finished T3, but he would not have kept his card. He needed a, he needed a two-way tie for T3 or better. Had he not gotten it up and down on 18, he would have been in a four-way tie for third. So he had to get it up and down on 18, and he hit a dirty little flop shot in there from about 30-ish, maybe 30, maybe 40 yards. Uh, and Chris Kirk did something that you rarely see. He shot 
the same number four rounds in a row, 65, 65, 65, 65, and that got him to 20. Uh, real quick, Taylor, before we take a break, since January of 2018, 11 guys on the PGA Tour have won at least three times since January of 2018. See how many you can name. January of 2018, at least three wins on tour. At least three wins. All right, January, uh, we're going with Kevin now. Yes. Tiger. Yes. Uh, let me see here. JT. Yes. Justin Thomas. Yep, he's got six. Second on the list. Okay. Okay, how many? Uh, Kepka? Uh, yep, Kepka's got five. Uh, DeChambeau? Bryson's got six. That's Webb. five. You got six more. Uh, Webb, yes, Webb's on here. Webb's got three. Uh, Patrick. Patrick Creek. Patrick's got three. That's another good one. That's seven. You got four to go. Oh, man. Three. I, I got four more? You got four uh, more to guess. You haven't guessed number one I, I, on the I, list yet. Uh, Rom? Uh, Rom, yes. Rom has four. Same as Kevin Na. John Rom and Kevin Na, same wins over the last three calendar years. Boy, how about that? Um, Hey, I, I really, since 2018, he has to have three wins. Rory's got to be in there, isn't he? Yep, Rory's got five. That's a good one. You got two more to go. Number one should be obvious. I haven't said number one yet? No, you said JT, which is number two. You haven't said number one. I didn't. I said DJ, didn't I? No, you hadn't said DJ, unless I missed it. Unless it got jumbled oh, in with the oh, other I, had, oh, I, thought about, I thought I said DJ. I'm sorry. No, I thought, so I, thought I did because I... Um, because I was thinking about the uh, oh man, let me see here. Um, You're going to be so uh, mad if you no, don't get it. it. Is it uh, oh, January of 2018? I want to. I, I want to say Shopway, but nope. I don't think so. I think nope. he's only got two. Is it Cantlay? Nope. Nope. You're overthinking. Oh, You're overthinking bad. Oh my lord! How am I? How am I missing it? Taylor, um, January of 2018. I already said Tiger, right? You did not say Tiger. Yeah. Yeah, you missed some of them, dude. I, I'm telling did you, you I say said Tiger. You did not say Tiger. Go back. I said I said Tiger and Kevin Knott in one of those orders. That's what I started off with. All right, well, Tiger's got three. He's got the Tour Championship. He's got the Zozo yep. and the Masters. Uh, I missed it. Again, we're recording remotely today, so might miss a thing or two, but yeah. Uh, Tiger, Bubba, Reed, and Webb each have three. Kevin Knott and John Rahm have four. Rory and Brooks each have five. Bryson and JT each have six. And DJ's won eight PGA Tour events since January of 2018. Uh, so Kevin Nam more, more wins than Tiger, Bubba, Reed, and Webb. What were you saying, Taylor? I was saying I didn't say Bubba on there. That, that was one. So you had one right. You must have oh, just yeah, you're right. the wrong one. You're right. Yeah, Bubba's got three. Which probably, would you have guessed Bubba? Because I wouldn't have guessed Bubba. I, I, I would not have guessed Bubba at all. No, I would. I would have went a long time before I guessed Bubba. And yeah, you know, I was. I was just trying to think. And a lot of the players who I was thinking of were just, you know, like obviously Hovland is too young, Wolf's too young, and so everyone I was thinking of just hadn't been out there long enough. And um, yeah, I, I would. I would not have guessed Bubba. It would take me a while to get to him. I would have. I maybe would even guess Fowler before I guessed Bubba. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it would have taken a while to get to Bubba. Why don't we take a break? Let's come back on the other side and let's preview the American Express Championship out in California. That's coming up next. Stay with us here on the 73rd Hole. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. McRae Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McRae Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McRae Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof, it is your home's crowning glory. Call McRae Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mcrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back. Rolling along here on the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams with you. Check us out online, the73thhole.com, or search for us on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, search 73rd Hole, and you will 
find us. Tyler, we've got the American Express Championship this week, not the typical three courses or the 54-hole cut that we normally see due to COVID. Playing two courses this week, and the cut will be after 36 holes. And Taylor, this is a tournament that it is anybody's game when they tee it up on Thursday. These are the winners since 2011, so I've got 10 names here. These are their odds that they went off to start the week. 2011, Jonathan Vegas won. He was 150-1. to 2012, Mark Wilson, Paul Azinger's favorite player of all time, 150 to 1. Brian Gay, 80 to 1. Reed was 80 to 1. Haas, Bill Haas was 25 to 1 back in 2015. My, how quickly things change. Jason Duffner won this tournament in 2016. He was 40 to 1. Hudson Swafford in 2017 was 50 to 1. John Rahm, three years ago, was the one guy who you would say was not a long shot. He was 8 to 1 uh, in 2018. I guess that would have been three years ago. And then the last two years, look at these guys. Adam Long won it two years ago at 500 to 1. Last year, Andrew Landry won it at 200 to 1. Uh, and, and there's not much in the way of form that tells us w- what guys can do if you're looking at the Sony last week. Th- these are the winners finishes the previous week t57 missed cut t31 three guys didn't play the week before t13 t13 and then the last two years andrew landry and adam long both missed the cut the week prior to the american express so taylor i don't really know i think this is one of the tougher handicaps of the entire season one of the tougher tournaments of the entire season to handicap because i mean over the last decade it's just been really random yeah, I would say, you know, you know, you, know, you always have the, the betting odds and the betting favorites. I would say if there was one week to not bet a PJ Tour event on, on who would actually win it, I think it would be this one just because it, I mean, it literally is a crapshoot on, it's just because it's, it's desert golf going out there and you got 150 something of all the best players in the world. And it's just really whoever, whoever makes the most um, putts in the really eight to 20 feet range. And so, I mean, everyone's going to go out there and hit it really good. It's just going to be a matter of, who does get in, who's going to end up winning the tournament. I think, you know, we, we can prognosticate on some guys through DraftKings and, and who have been playing well, who we think will at least be there through Saturday and Sunday. But who's going to end up getting the job done at hoisting the trophy on Sunday afternoon, Colby, I think is this is one of the harder tournaments to to predict the winner, which is which is kind of ironic because, you know, you would think that with more of a, a higher strength of field would make it harder to guess. But, you know, this isn't even the, the higher strength of field, Colby. we got a 270 here at the uh, American Express or the Credit Card Championship. Um, but we got a 298 across the pond at Abu Dhabi, so with uh, JT and Rory both in the field over there. So, I mean, what do you think, Kobe? Is this week, is Paul Azinger right? Is it better to win on the PJ Tour than the European Tour? We've got a higher strength field across the pond. A little bit more money be made over here. I don't know. This is one of those weeks that imposes the interesting question. Yeah, I, I don't know. I still think that uh, the tournament in, in California is – the better tournament because yes there's a higher strength of field in Europe but once you get through about 10 names you you really get down to some guys maybe 12 or 15 names you really get down to some guys like 80 to 1 Antoine Rosner you you know uh, Sammy Valamaki is 50 to 1 Adri Arnaud is 66 to 1 over in Europe so I feel like there's better names at the top top overseas but once you get past those elite guys at the top I think there's a steeper drop off to the rest of the field. Do you think that's fair? I, I mean, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And definitely, I mean, you look at you look at Rory, JT, and some of these. I mean, even Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, some of these other guys in the in the field. It it is very extremely top heavy. It's kind of like uh, kind of like the SEC, Colby, SEC football, where you got you got Alabama and Georgia at the top, kind of carrying everybody, and then and then the other people just kind of ride along, ride along with it, and and claim some. Some heavyweight, and so I'm trying to trying to look here. Uh, winner's share is that in? I'm trying to figure out what the difference in dollar amount is for for the winner. Yeah, um, that'd be nice to know. Like, um, it looks like right here that um, looks like from 2018 to 2019 they essentially more than doubled the purse. Um, the the entire purse probably in 2018 was three million, in 2019 and 2020 it was seven million, and then wow. this year it's gone up to eight million. Yeah, and uh, I was, I'm trying to make sure – I was trying to figure out if it was dollars or euros because that's one thing that's always been taken. Right. Account they must have tacked features. on so, some big-time so sponsors, actually, though. Exactly. I mean, for it to jump that high, I mean, you see it with the strength of field. And, I, and looking right here, Kobe, winner's going to get $1.3 And so, actually, you know, I met, said earlier that there was more money to be made on um, here at the California the Credit Card Championship. 
Actually, there's not. Um, I mean, obviously with taxes, I don't know what taxes are like in, over in Dubai. But nevertheless, uh, the actual before before taxes profit, winners going to get more at, in, in Abu Dhabi than they would over here at, at this term, which I find pretty fascinating. Because, like I said, I mean, it literally doubled the purse probably in, in, in one year. I mean, it went from $3 million to $7 million. That's, that's almost unheard of. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Let's uh, let's do this. We'll give you our winners, our predicted winners at Abu Dhabi at the end of the show before we get out of here. Let's go ahead and dive into DraftKings for the American Express Championship. Taylor, you started last week, so I'll start this week, and we'll start with our cheapest play. And my cheapest play is coming in at 7,000, and he's coming off a miscut last week. But guess what? He was coming off a miscut last year, and he won this tournament. And at 7,000, I mean, I'm getting a guy who three years ago, he finished, uh, what was Andrew Landry? That was whenever he went runner-up to John Rahm in the playoff, whenever John Rahm won. Uh, two years ago, he finished 28th here. And last year, he won the tournament. And I'm getting him for 7K on DraftKings. Sign me up all day, every day. So Andrew Landry is my first selection at 7K. Yeah, anytime you go with the defending champion, you, you definitely – Almost not necessarily assured that they won't win, but it's so hard to go back to back. But that doesn't necessarily mean that for your cheapest play in DraftKings that they're not going to at least at least get you get you a check, which is which is a good way to go. My cheapest guy, Colby, is a guy who has for a second year in a row wasn't able to get the job done at over in Hawaii. Had a chance on back nine on Sunday, wasn't able to get it done last Choke. year. Lost in the playoff to Cameron Smith over there. Um, yeah, essentially, basically, you had money on him and that uh, wasn't able to get it done. Um, finished fourth last week, wasn't playing that good before then. But um, since 2012, has only missed one cut here in, what is that, I believe that is nine appearances. Give me Brendan Steele at 7,300. I think he is a guy who, for the cheapest play on your draft team lineup, I think is a good way to go. And then I got so many guys that are close range here, Kobe. I got to make sure I'm giving them in the right order. So my next most would be a guy, he is 7,700. Give me Cameron Davis. Um, I believe he's a uh, Australian guy, for kind of he tall is. guy. Let me, uh, yeah, so one, yeah, big, six. big, tall, lanky Australian, Cameron Davis. And you know, Aussies—they're no, usually known for their uh, for their stand game and for their bunker game. But but Davis is more of a bomber. Why the hell can I not find him on here? Um, oh, there we go, right there. And so you know, pulling up the reason I like him so much, Colby, is he's uh, he's had two appearances here, and he's got a 29th and a 28th. And then since then, he has only one missed cut since the 3M t- uh, championship back in, uh, what is that, J- uh, July. So, I mean, that's, that's a guy who has been on form, particularly definitely making checks, getting to the weekend, and in two starts hasn't finished worse than, what I say, 29th earlier. So, I mean, that's a guy who, for uh, 7,700, I'm going to go ahead and ride with that all day since I went fairly medium to top heavy with this lineup. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going 7,400 with my second cheapest guy. Guy ran out last week. Call me a homer if you want to. I'm running out Taylor Gooch this week for a few reasons. Number one, I don't think he's likely to miss the cut in consecutive weeks. Number two, he was able to get over two days earlier and get his body adjusted to uh, being out of Hawaii and back on the mainland here in the continental United States. And, and then you see the trend at this tournament in the past. Whatever happened the week before, it just doesn't matter at this tournament. This, these courses are so unique, and it, it just really opens itself up to just kind of whoever gets hot that week. Uh, and considering he wasn't hot last week, no time like the present. So I'll take t- Taylor Gooch at 7400 uh, And then my third most expensive, Taylor. I'm skipping the eights altogether, by the way. I'm going from 7600 and then my next cheapest will be nine grand whenever it comes back around to me. So at 7600 I'm taking a guy who did play well last week and hoping that he keeps it rolling uh, you, you know, on the momentum of keeping his card after coming off his medical, I think Chris Kirk uh, will will be invigorated and will go out and continue to play good golf this week. So I've got Chris Kirk at 7,600. Yeah, and, you know, to go along with your Taylor Gooch comment, or Taylor Gooch pick, you know, he's in three appearances here. He, he's made all made the cut all three times, and last two starts, he's finished 17th and 4th. So definitely likes the venue. And number two, it was announced through, I don't know if it was his Instagram or his his wife, but him and his uh, wife are having a, a baby. And, uh, oh, so I didn't know I that. They said the date was, uh, I think they said the date was due in July. So congratulations to the, uh, to the Gucci. Congratulations. I mean, that's that's totally awesome. awesome. And, and, you know, we see, we see a correlation between babies and winning PJ tour events. So I think, I think it's time maybe coming Colby. I think, I think it is. I think that that's just kind of how it works. The stork, the stork shows up at your doorstep and also brings your trophy and a check. Uh, <laughs> funny how that works. So let me see here. I'm going to go with my next pick, Colby. I, I picked a couple guys who, who I picked last week because they are some cut-making machines. 
So my next guy is going to be also, I might, you know, say you're Homer because OSU guy, but give me Charles Howe. This is a guy who missed the cut here last year, but before that, had missed the cut um, going all the way back to 2010, uh, has finished 19th last week and has made, was that, five cuts in a row. So for 7,800 and and an event like we talked about that can be wide open, I'm going to go with with a guy who's not not the definition of a surefire bet, but almost as close as you can get for for the price that you're asking for. And then my next pick, Colby, is is a guy who I mean, you talk about not been playing very good at all. I mean, the, the form is just not there. And but he has some really good uh, course history here. Give me Adam Hadwin at eight at eighty one hundred, or I'm sorry, eight thousand. Um, has missed three cuts in a row, and even before that, finished 63rd at a tournament with no cut. But um, in his last four starts here, Colby, second, third, second, and sixth. That is a horse for course if I've ever seen it. So the form is definitely not there, but a lot of times you show up on, at a venue and you find form. I think that would be the case with Adam Hadam this week. Yeah, it might be, and he'll probably be a somewhat popular pick. I'm just looking on our one-and-done website, uh, and site-wide there, he's 7.5% picked, which is fifth most of any player this week, just due to that elite course history that he holds uh, out here at the American Express Championship. Uh, my third most expensive golfer, Taylor, guy who just really strikes it, get hot for me one week, Russell Henley. Do it one week, get hot for me, put on a show, be there on Sunday. I think he's got a good chance to do it this week at 9,000, and then at 92 I mean, I'm looking through here and I'm trying to find guys who are playing well, who I'm feeling good about, who I want to run out this week. And I I realize that I'm going against some of my own rules this week because I'm starting the defending champion in my DraftKings lineup. And I'm running out the guy who won last week. I mean, how does this course not set up for Kevin Na? He can go out there. He can just kind of knock it around, get hot with that putter. And I I don't think it would be crazy. I don't think he'll win in back-to-back weeks, but I don't think it's crazy that we see him on the leaderboard again late in the week. So Russell Henley and Kevin Na, my first two in the 9,000s. Yes, no, I I think those are are really good picks. It's really weird to, to try to go with the guy who won the week before and to see how he'll bounce back, and especially going from Hawaii to California, what what are you going to be up? But I think we could see with Kevin on his same life. He's not going to be the partying type. I mean, like you said, he, he's he's this is his fourth win in essentially two and a half years. So I mean, he it's not like it's, this is something new to him. He's going to go out and celebrate celebrate his mind off. And so you know, my second most expensive guy, Colby. I, I think this might be the cheapest um, cheapest second most expensive guy I've ever had. And uh, it is a friend of the show, by the way. Um, our caddy's a friend of the show, Scott Clay. And that's Brian Harmon, 8,100. And, you know, this is a guy who's been playing really, really well lately. Um, has, I mean, I'm going back here. I see one missed cut since um, since uh, he, he last missed the cut at the Memorial in um, July of 2016. Or, I'm sorry, July 16th. Of, uh, so the middle of July, essentially. And then missed one cut in, the, uh, in November. But since then, hasn't missed a cut and has really good course history here. Besides a um, besides a missed cut back in 2019, uh, since 2016 has not finished worse than 21st here, Colby. So I'm gonna go ahead and ride with that. And then um, for my most expensive, I will go with the most expensive on the on the whole program, Colby, and the guy who, if I actually had to bet, I would bet him to win just because he's just been playing so well and just hardly ever played bad. And I got I got to pick Patrick Cantlay. I mean, it's just if I, I picked him in a tournament where it's just so so wide open i'm going gotta go with the guy who's the most surefire thing and then just build around that and that's essentially what i did so so give me patrick cantley as my most expensive guy and if i had to bet on someone to win it would be him yeah and he's the odds on favorite he's 11 to 1 this week the odds on favorite was going to be john rom who was listed at six to one before he withdrawed uh for an unknown reason we don't know why john rom withdrew but that leads the way for uh patrick cantley to become the lowest odds to win this week. All right, my most expensive guy, Tyler, it was a matter of I wanted to get up where I could get uh, Scotty Cantlay, one of those guys. I think Scotty was more. uh, No, Scotty was actually less. So I like this guy more than I like Scotty Scheffler this week. Maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Give me Matthew Wolf. It's just... And I know going in that he's either going to... There's three options. He's going to miss the cut. He's going to finish T61 or he's going to win the tournament. And I'm willing to take that risk. So give me Matthew Wolf, first tournament of the season um, for him, getting his season underway in California. He's from California. So Matt Wolf is my most expensive. 
That wraps up our DraftKings lineups for the week. Hopefully, we will cash this week. Our pool's gotten a little bigger. Makes it a little tougher to cash, but no cashes for us the first two weeks. Unless I missed yours. Did you cash last week? Not that I'm aware of. No, I uh, I, I do not believe so. I had I was right there. We had a lot of a lot of guys had five made cuts, um, but at the end of the day, you got to have guys up there winning if you have a missed cut, and unfortunately, that's what happened. But this is the week where it all gets turned around. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right, one and done picks. You want to go first? You want me to? I I I doubt we're copying each other this week. I'd be shocked if we were copying each other. More than likely, because the guy I'm picking is a guy who you uh, are not a biggest fan of, and I, I don't know if you ever be able to pick him just because you dislike watching him swing so much. And and I'm, I'm really going with the philosophy, Colby, of with it being such a wide open tournament. And I don't want to use one of these big guys. I don't want to use a Cantlay and even even Sung Jay, who's a guy who who I think um, has a decent chance has played well here. So I, I want to. I don't feel like this. Is, it's just too wide open of a tournament to use them, and there's not a big enough purse. Um, but uh, um, I'm going to run out the guy who is. Um, according to the site, wide picks is by far the most popular, and a guy who has played well here, finished third here last year. Give me Scotty Scheffler. I mean, I just, I, I don't want to not have the guy that 25% of everyone has that wins, because even if someone else picks someone, because like you said, Kobe, I mean, we got guys at 250 to one winning the tournament, and so I mean, I, I just want to pick someone who, if someone, if whoever wins the tournament, I'm not dropping too far behind in the pool this early in the season, considering. Uh, one of dumb picks haven't been particularly good up until this point. Yeah, you're playing it safe, and I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm taking a guy that almost no one else is going to have, and I'm risking essentially Scotty Scheffler having a big week and my guy missing the cut and burying me. I, I shouldn't do this. I'm going to regret it at the end of the week, but there is something in my gut, Taylor, telling me, and, and keep in mind, I'm under the weather, so it could be something different in my gut I'm feeling. I, I just feel like Andrew Landry's going to be able to back it up pretty well. I don't know why. It's it's just this feeling deep down inside me that a guy who in his last three trips here has a runner-up, a 28th, and a first. I, I don't care what he did last week. I don't care uh, about the form. He, he loves this place. And uh, not only that, but it's a one-and-done pool, right? And there's a 0% chance that I would want to run Andrew Landry out anywhere else this season. So I'm going to use him this week. If he doesn't play well, at least I didn't use somebody uh, that I want to use later in the year. And if by chance he does play well uh, and does get himself into the top 10, top 15 even, then I'll have a guy that almost no one else in the pool is going to have, and that'll help me creep up a little bit. So I'll tell you what, the, the guys most picked at the top, you know, Scotty Scheffler, Cantlay, Answer, M, had one. Those are the top five most picked right now on the site that we use. I'm going to be rooting heavily against those guys because uh, if any of those guys – cash and win the tournament i'm gonna be falling quite a ways behind yeah exactly and and i'll besides obviously scotty sheffield i'll be doing the same thing because if people are going to be running out can't i mean you got pantley uh i'm sorry pantley can't can't patrick reed uh Kepke's even playing matthew wolf uh sung jay female is playing i mean uh answer i mean uh paul casey uh gary woodland we got a lot of big names here Kobe, and so a lot of people are gonna or get that get that trigger finger you know and and just want to want to use a big name and try to get a check. Just not a big enough purse for me to want to use a quote-unquote big name. Scotty Scheffler, I, I think, will have a really good year and maybe a little bit more valuable down the road. But if he is going to if he is gonna spark, it has to be somewhere. And if he does, I, w- I might as well be on the train with it. And to back up your Andrew Landry pick, Kobe, he did finish fourth back in November at the RSM. So it's not like he's been on complete horrible horrible form and hasn't, hasn't been making week, uh, the weekend or anything. Um, one, one guy I want to get your opinion on the tournament, Kobe, has missed the cut two of the last three years here, but but is normally known for playing well here. Finished second back in 2019 when Adam Long won. What do you think of Phil the Thrills' chances? Uh, I don't think much of Phil the Thrills' chances, to be honest with you. I, I would be... I don't want to say that I'd be surprised if he made the cut. Phil can always make the cut. I just... I, I don't see any way that he contends. At, at this point in his career, every time Phil contends, it will be a surprise to me. And that's no disrespect to Phil. He's just getting up there in age and, you, you know, at some point... Father time wins. Mother nature wins. So uh, I would be surprised if Phil contended this week. I agree. And but I'll tell you what, next time he plays on the Champions Tour, I don't care what his odds are, I'm going to bet him. Yeah, load up on Phil on the Champions Tour for sure. I wanted to ask you just a random question. I got a matchup question for you this week. Who has the better it. finish? Better finish? Ricky Fowler or Brooks Kepka? Ooh, ah, ooh. Good question, right? Both you know, kind of just trying to get their form back. You know, in all honesty, I think I'd have to go with Fowler. 
just because I think there's there's a little bit more urgency there because I mean you know Fowler is a guy who I mean we're we're talking about him he hasn't he hasn't won in however long and unlike Kepka he doesn't have the major status to to back up not only his pride and his claims but I mean his actual status on the tour and so yeah he's not in the Masters right now he's not in the in in the field at Augusta right now exactly he's outside the top fifty Kepka can play in. Every major, every major for at least the next five, at least the next five years, I believe the next ten, and a lot of them. So, uh, there's just less urgency. And Kepka, if, if if there's not a, a major or a big, 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 huge check on the line, he's not going to play that well. So, I'm out on Kepka, and I would actually pick Fowler, believe it or not. What do you think? Colby? Uh, I would be inclined to agree with you. I think for a lot of the reasons you said, the urgency being the main one, I, I think the main reason Brooks is here, and Brooks has even talked about it, Brooks usually goes over and he plays Abu Dhabi and Desert Classic and does some things uh, across the pond. This year he decided not to, and the reason being, well, next week is the Farmers. Where's the Farmers played? Torrey Pines. Where's the U.S. Open being played this summer? Torrey Pines. So Brooks Kepka is over here to get a tune-up for the U.S. Open. So I think next week, uh, Brooks Kepka may, maybe be, will be a better play at a place that he's hoping to play well at to give himself some confidence for this summer. But this week, yeah, I don't think the urgency will be there. So I would lean Ricky Fowler as well. If you are wanting to bet on the tournament this week, and you know, God bless you if you want to. Like I said, Patrick Cantlay is uh, has has the highest odds of anybody in the field at eleven to one. Further down the line, you know, if you are crazy and and hate your money like I do, Andrew Landry's one hundred fifty to one. Taylor, he's one hundred fifty to one <laughs> to back he it can up. Do it back to back. Let's see where he Kevin Naw's at. Kevin Naw's thirty three to one to back up his win a week ago. Oh, boy, I, I'm. Can you believe that thirty three to one the week after a term? There's no way that happens. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think, I don't so, think either. so. I mean, when when is when's the last time we saw that? Was it Brendan Todd a couple years ago? One back to back week. Yeah, I'm, Brendan I'm, Todd. I'm yeah, and it was in the fall. Yeah, and it was in the fall too. And so, I, you know, I'm not even talking about you know winning back to back whenever you start. Like you play one term and then you take three weeks off and play the next term. I'm talking win win and then win the very next week. I mean, that hardly ever happens. I mean, if ever. And so, especially at 33 to 1, I mean, I'm staying, I might stay further away from that than I am even kept it. Yeah, just to give you some kind of sense of how crazy it was that Adam Long won this tournament two years ago, Adam Long was 500 to 1 coming into that tournament. The guys that are 500 to 1 this week Ben Taylor, Hunter Mahan, Michael Kim, Ryan Brim, Nelson Ledesma, Scott Harrington, Mark Anderson, Fabian Gomez. Taylor, a, a, a name comparable to those won this tournament two years ago. I, I will be beside myself if somebody five hundred to one wins the tournament this week. I, out of all those names that you said, Kobe, the, I would be the most shocked if Hunter Mayhem won. Can you believe that he is five hundred to one in a tour event? I mean, and he was a top ten player in the world. He was a Ryder Cup less than ten years ago. Don't remind me I, uh, the definition of a, of a yeah exactly, and so. I mean, I'm looking at some of I mean, we're going back to this last year, miscut, 67, miscut, miscut, 65th, 58, miscut, miscut, miscut. I mean, I, miscuts all the way down I can see. I mean, his his fall for grace has been something. And to think that he is 500 to 1 in a tournament when he used to be, I mean, he used to be at worst, you know, 50 to 1 in the big tournament. I mean, it's pretty crazy to see his fall. And so, um, but, uh, but yeah, to, that does put into perspective Adam Long. And remember, Adam Long had a birdie 18 and made a clutch birdie with Phil, in, I believe, in the group with him, uh, playing neck and neck, birdie the last beat Phil by one. So it uh, took some stones to be able to do that with one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, no doubt it did. All right, give me a winner across the pond, Abu Dhabi. Uh, names in this field, I'll, I'll rattle off about 10 notable names. Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Tyrrell Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Skill, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose, Martin Keimer, Victor Perez, your boy Christian Bezadenhut, Lee Westwood, Shane Lowry, Matt Wallace in the field as well. So's Thomas Peters. Uh, I, I, I'm telling you what, I mean, you know, we, we've been making some jokes, but I, I truly think we got a better tournament across the pond. I really do. I think it. it besides the fact, this come on TV tonight, by the way, five a.m. in the morning. I, I I believe it does. I don't know what time though. It may be well. Well, I don't, it won't tonight because it's Tuesday. But when, so on Wednesday it will. Uh, Wednesday night it'll come on. And I don't know. Whenever Tiger used to play over there, they would start at you know if he had a morning tea time, they'd start showing at ten or eleven. And then, but if he didn't play early, they wouldn't start till three or four. So I'm not sure if, if someone has an early tee time before or JT does, they might have pushed up the coverage uh, there. Um, but, yeah, the, it'll be on in, in the late wee hours of Wednesday if, if you have insomnia 
are not able to get to sleep. Um, I tell you what, Colby, Roy's got to bounce back at some point, don't you think? I mean, he's I, I, he's I, if, if this is going to be the week, I, I think it is. And if I had to bet, I bet Rory. If I, I made up a, a DraftKings lineup just in case, um, just in case anyone else is doing it, most people do the PGA Tour, but this is a, a big Euro event as well. So I did build my lineup around Rory. Um, JT's the other big name over there. I'm not sure how all the um, you know the recent uh, sponsorship drop that he's got and all the um, quote unquote headlines that he has will that be a distraction for him. It may be, so I would stay away from him. Um, a guy, another guy, I put in my lineup. Colby, you mentioned my boy Bazinga. I mean, he, he's been playing really well, and he's um, he's showing us some form. So he'd be another guy that I look at. Um, and I'll just uh, go ahead and list out my other guys here on my lineup. I, I had Robert McIntyre at nine thousand, who's been playing well. Um, Robert Rye seventy two hundred, who's known for having the um, um, iron covers on his irons. Um, Robert Rock sixty six hundred, who has made like six cuts in a row. And winner back here in 2012. Really can't believe he's as cheap as he is. And then my uh, other pick was 6,400. Julian Surrey, who's a very young guy. He was a, uh, essentially a phenom coming out of Duke who has kind of struggled a little bit, but is starting to get his form back. And I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing his name a little bit more often this year. Um, we started hearing his name at the end of 2018, start of 2019, kind of falling off a little bit. I think Julian Surrey, Julian Surrey is a guy who within two years you'll be hearing a lot more of. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good name, and he's got a really good golf swing. By the way, I did look it up. If you want to watch the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, comes on Golf Channel tonight at 9.30. It'll be on from 9.30 to 2.30 tonight, but then the schedule gets kind of weird. Friday, it's on from 1 a.m. to 7 a.m. If you're uh, up in the middle of the night, you can watch it on Golf Channel. Saturday is from 2 to 7 a.m., so apparently Golf Channel had something going on from 1 to 2 a.m. that they couldn't give us that extra uh, hour. Maybe it has to do with the cut, <laughs> but if it had to do with the cut, then explain to me why on Sunday they go back to airing it from 1 to 7. So Friday's 1 to 7, is- Saturday's 2 to 7, Sunday's 1 to 7. What the hell's airing Saturday morning from 1 a.m. to 2 a.m. on Golf Channel? I have to know now. That is that is super fascinating. I cannot believe that. That is, boy, that is something we do have to look up. I wonder... I have no idea what it could be. It's probably a school for golf, one hour special or something. So. Yeah, classic rounds. Tiger winning the whatever insert tournament here. Well, that's not. Well, that's not. That's not stupid at all. That that takes precedent. Yes, that takes precedent and would probably get more viewers. Uh, by the way, if I were going to run out one winner in Abu Dhabi, it'd be a guy. You talk about Rory needing to find his form. I want Tommy Fleetwood to find his form, and I want him to find it this week. The dude's the definition of a course for horse. His last three trips over here, he's got a runner up and two wins. So. Although Tommy Fleetwood can't really get it done over here, he can damn sure get it done in Abu Dhabi. So at fourteen to one, that might even be a play that I make this week. It could be, and you know, like I said, he's he's got a you know, he's won this tournament before. Everyone's giving him crap for not being able to win over here. It's got to happen at some point, and and you know, I, I, we all love his hair. And look at some of his recent finishes before before the end of the year. He finished tenth the World Tour Championship, finished nineteenth at the Masters, uh, finished second at the Scottish Open. That was a little bit ways back. But nevertheless, has been playing fairly decent. And, um, yeah, if if you were to bet on odds, because what, you got the odds of training, what's Rory at? Uh, Rory, let me go back and look. Rory is 6-1. to one. Rory and JT are both 6-1. to one. Tommy Fleetwood's 14-1. Yeah, one. see, I, I, if, I was, if I had to bet a little bit of coin, I definitely like Fleetwood at 14-1. to one, but, uh, More than double the odds of Rory. But I, if I had to just pick a winner to say, oh, hey, you can – pick anyone you want to win I, I i would pick Rory even over fleetwood who has like you said best course history you could possibly imagine yeah absolutely all right taylor i don't, I don't think we missed anything i think we pretty much hit on everything and uh, we've got two good tournaments to watch this week so a lot of good golf yes we do yes we do and, and we you know we didn't do too bad of a job for our first virtual show ever and um you know hopefully we'll be able to get back at it in person later and um hopefully we'll be able to recap two great golf tournaments Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, good stuff, Taylor. Appreciate you joining me on the Zoom today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Check us out, the73rdhole.com. We're back next week with more on the 73rd Hole.